Chicago, where the fires serve cold, but the wolves and the hawks never shiver in the snow. The bulls keep it running, the Sox run the south, the Cubs run the north, but the Bears run the house. Two Chicago sports fans got the ears to the street. Any team make a move, and they never skip a beat. And in this house, this is where we be. Welcome to the show with E Rock and Big C. Welcome, 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 welcome to Chicago. Coming from the True Chicago Sports Fan Cave, this is the TCSF Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 62 is brought to you by 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Great Clothing Company. Don't forget to go to greatclothingco.com and get your official TCSF podcast t-shirts. Search for keyword Chew Chicago and use our promo code ChewFan15 for 15% off your entire order. That is ChewFan15. Get your official TCSF shirts now. As always, <laughs> as always, I am Big Zena here with my boy, the man, the myth, the legend, E-Rock. Welcome back, brother. What's up, Z? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in. If you are a first-timer or a long-timer, please remember to hit that subscribe button, that notify button, and go ahead and give us a review on your listening app of choice. And don't forget, you can support the show with a monthly subscription at anchor.fm slash true Chicago sports fans. Go on over there, click on support, and you can be a supporter for as low as 99 cents a month. Shout out to Giganto for filling in for me last week. We had some family time, hanging out, barbecue for the uh, holiday. And right now I'm stuck in the house with a cold waiting on the results of my COVID test and it's <laughs> driving me nuts. I've been stuck in the house for a couple of days now. We, was all, we were all supposed to go to that Sox game for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Yeah, we were. White Sox versus Red Sox, and I ruined the good time. No, so you uh, no, you didn't. I guess the universe already knows. The universe knows that I'm a Cubs fan, and I don't belong there. <laughs> Funny enough, I've seen a lot of Cubs fans at the game posting their pictures yeah. in their Sox here, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we might lose this one. <laughs> Z, how you doing, man? How was your week? A uh, week was uh, full of tons of stuff uh let's see i went thursday to go to this place called ida it's a uh spa place so pretty much i was going to different pools and the uh, different pools were doing different things so either be a cold pool warm pool hot pool uh one was uh, full of salt kind of like the dead sea we can float so pretty much it was some therapy for the hip uh hip back and knees um yeah, was there for like 90 minutes and then i uh, hit up our spot jerk over there in chicago and halsted has some good uh, nice. Jamaican food. You know me. I love Jamaican food. And that's why I love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then on uh, Friday, I hit the Sox game. Uh, we got a good win, four to three. And yesterday, I was rusting up because I uh, again I caught my a cold too. So uh, I don't know if it was AC yeah, or if it, I was uh, somebody uh, near me. So I, I stayed to myself yesterday, and uh, I'm home right now. Yeah, man, I, I know uh, it's it's that time of year. I know a lot of us are kind of getting that cold. You get that mid-winter sla- or uh, mid-summer uh, slash fall moving into the next season with right. football season starting. So you get those mornings that are 50 degrees and those afternoons that are 80, and uh, I think that's screwing up everyone's uh, immune system. It sure is. I mean, but, you I, know, it I is AC on, and it's like at 60, and I wake up, I'm shivering cold. That's probably what it is. I know. I That's, that's my guess, too. I think that's what happened to me, too, but I, I did uh, – I, I had a day, about a 24-hour period, where I couldn't smell anything. I put my whole 
my whole nose in that little vix and i couldn't smell nothing i was like uh oh yeah because you know that sucker will burn your eyes as soon as you open it <laughs> open the jar so but you know it is it is football season and fall is fast approaching and i know there's some of you out there looking for a new gig so let me tell you about a great opportunity with our friends over at acsi with over 50 expert technicians in the Chicagoland area, ACSI offers a one-stop shop for telecom wiring. Whether residential cable installation, fiber to the home, or commercial structured cable wiring. Z, let me tell you the most impressive thing about ACSI. During these hard times, the ACSI crew did their thing during the COVID-19 pandemic, and ACSI was awarded HACIA's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. The best part is that ACSI is growing bigger and better than ever. ACSI is now hiring for field sales, technicians, and project managers. Check out ACSI.tech because this Wednesday, September 15th, they are having a virtual hiring event. There you go. Um, head over to ACSI.tech. Uh, you can email your resume and portfolios over to Nicole, N-I-C-H-O-L-E at ACSI.tech. Again, they're looking for residential technician, fiber optics specialists, sales reps, and project managers. Um, they work with Comcast. They work with RCN. And like I said before, they are a proud member of Hacia. They won the award last year. So if you are looking for a new opportunity, this is your chance. Go over to acsi.tech and start a new career. There you go. Go get your job. Them uh, unemployment benefits are over. Yeah, they just ran out this week or next week. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is the time. This is the time. Check it out. This week, we're going to talk about one of the hottest teams in baseball on the north side. Uh, we talk about the Sox versus Sox matchup as the Red Sox visit the G-spot. News out of the West Side at the United Center. And, of course, it's football season, baby. We talk about the Bears. We talk about a shaky start for the Fighting Irish. Northwestern taking down Indiana State, wherever the hell that is. And Illinois falling to Virginia. And, as always, stirring the pot and more. But first, this is the Big Three. Thanks, E-Rock. I'm Big Z, and you're not. Now, for today's stories. Hey, I know you like them celebrity fights, and this is a good one. This, 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 is, one, this is one that I, I queued up just for you. Wow, this one's been brewing for some time during a recent appearance on the Club Shay Shay podcast. T.O. and um, the Hall of Fame wide receiver reignited his longtime and long-dormant beef with former Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb. <laughs> Owens told Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports, shot and sharp that if he had to fight someone in a boxing match, he would choose his old teammates. So let's listen to that right now. Yo, this is gonna be fun. It's like uh, if you had to fight him, who, who would you who, who would you who would you who would you want to fight? I said Donovan McNabb. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm dead serious. Shanna, I'll knock him out. Because there'd be so much, be so so. But, but so you much can't do that. But no, no, no. So you know, I would go in there. I know I'll be controlled. Right. It'll be controlled anger. I'd be like a, I'd be like a, a Navy SEAL. I'd be a Navy SEAL because you know they cool come right. under all conditions, but there would be a fire burning inside of me. So you literally try to knock the man out. Clean. I, I knock Chunky Soup from him. <laughs> 
<laughs> from from <laughs> 2004. <laughs> Trust me. All the heartache, all the heartache, and all the stuff that I done went through. Being a nice, oh and this com- me trying to be the nice guy. That's me being a nice guy. Is, I know you, and I know you dead, dead ass serious. Shannon, I promise you. <laughs> and I know, like going in there, you can't just go in there and just wreck us a band. All right, it goes on for a couple more minutes, and you know what? <laughs> this would be something entertaining. I, I was- I'd watch it. I'd pay for the watch. Look, man, I always like hearing Shannon Sharp, and it's a very unique experience to hear him audio only because you. He, I mean, this dude always sounds like he's chewing on like a tire rubber, um, and it, and it's and it's funny. It's like his tongue is too big for his mouth, so it, to see him listen to him uh, talking to To like that is hilarious. Um, this is, you know, it, the the funniest thing about this whole thing is the chunky soup reference. So I'm gonna knock the chunky soup out of his ass from 2004. That was probably my favorite part. <laughs> that is. A good I'll part. watch it, but you know what? Go ahead. No, no, that, that is the best part of it. That was the best part, sound clip. But and I'm watching it right, and I know you're not gonna be able to see it because we're not in the studio today together. But Shannon Sharp looks like a clown. Just he's just he just I guess he he's does. yeah he's yeah he's not one of my favorite guys. And Tio, he's that, I can't even say that on there, but uh, he's that kid that uh, um, struggled through school, but just because he was an athlete, he was pushed along. And you know what? He's, wants to sh- he's that kid that just wants to show out, wants that attention. That's, that's, what, that's what he is. He's not relevant anymore, so he's, he's trying to create the headlines. He, he's bench pressing in his, in his driveway right now. Oh, I bet he is. I bet she's got, yeah. you know, two gro- two grocery bags on each side of Campbell's soup. And he's like, I'm going to knock this out of him. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what, you know what this reminds me of? Do you, you remember back in the 90s where every hip-hop album had the interludes and the sketches and shit? Right. So you, you I, on the one album, I think it's uh, One Day It All Makes Sense with Common. And he, he, saw, it was, uh, he used to have his pops come on there all the time. And he's like... He left a message. He's like, man, I think I just want to kick Jesse Jackson's ass. <laughs> that's, what this, that's what this reminds me just of. Just a so random much. thing, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. I, I mean, if they put this on TV, it better be sponsored by Campbell's. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Story number two. And this is another one. Another one just queued up for you, man. Free agent quarterback Cam Newton said he didn't see his release from the New England Patriots coming. In the first remarks since the team caught him ten days ago, what, about two weeks ago, not at this point. What? Yeah, um, he said, "Did it catch you by surprise being released?" He goes, "Absolutely." Newton said in a video released on uh, Friday morning. So here's that clip. I mean, Jesus, this guy's. All right, so let me just paint the picture. He is. I looks like at his old high school. This is. He's talking to his dad, right? Right. He's talking to his dad. He's got some uh, capri pants on, some beige pants on, <laughs> some weird greenish shirt. He's got a fedora hat, but the the, the center of it's cut out. Yeah. And yeah. his hair's poking through, and he looks like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer now. <laughs> so so here's the clip. I mean, this guy is a clown. Here we go. Can we be honest? And this can, and this can kind of merge organically. Bring it to me. The reason why they released me is because indirectly... I was gonna be a distraction without if, being the starter. Without being a starter, yeah. And this was but not how gonna come, verbally or in the locker room. Just my aura, okay. Just my aura, and and that's just. And I told you this off camera. That's my gift and my curse. Yeah. When you bring a Cam Newton to your facility, when you bring a Cam Newton to your franchise, 
people are interested by mere fact they of are intrigued. who is he? Yeah. Why does he wear yeah. his hair? Yeah. Why does he talk? Why does he act? Why does he perform? Why yeah. does all these yeah. questions? Yeah. So let's just be, let me be honest with you. Come to me. Saying this. Yeah. If they would have asked me, would I play behind? They said, Cam, we're going to give the team to Matt. Okay. You're going to be the second string. We okay. expect you to be everything and some yeah. to guide yeah, him yeah, throughout yeah. this tenure. Okay. I would say absolutely. Yeah. Cam. But listen. Cam. Listen. The truth of the matter is this. He would have been uncomfortable. With you looking over his shoulder? Uh, yeah. You you felt like that? Yeah. He would have. And they well, knew because because... You have to understand. You are intimidating too. presence now. That is true. Yeah. And it comes by mere fact of me being me. Like I don't like when you would see a practice clip of, you know, me dancing or them playing music. Man, if you put a, a hidden camera of me in my kitchen and you play some music, I'm still gonna be bobbing my head yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to the music in the car. Yeah, That's just how yeah. I get myself going. All right. So, yeah. Can we yeah, be honest? Yeah. He's. Uh, can we be honest here? He looks like a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeers. And yes, I would be intimidated right. that your red nose right, and right, antlers right, are right, coming right, up my booty. All right, all right. All right, listen. I don't want to make this about his appearance. I don't want to make this about his style because we know that he's a very outspoken and very... Eccentric. Individual, individual, individual. You know what I mean? Like, yes, eccentric. But, we, you know, we, we take that as with a grain of salt because we just seen Russell Westbrook uh, walking around with a dress or whatever. We've seen Dennis Rodman walk around. Yeah. So this is what I got to say yeah. about that. I, I, I don't I don't disagree with what he's saying, because, you know, since Cam Newton has been has come into the league with his skill set, with his size, we've seen players come into the NFL with his size and his ability before. Uh, or or I, I say his his size and his skill set as far as being a quarterback. But we we've never seen a guy that could essentially play defensive end play at the quarterback position. And what I mean by that is that he could throw, but he could also run down the field and not just run like be elusive like Lamar Jackson, but knock the shit out of you. I mean, this dude was a big beast uh, of a man. And you combine that with the expectation that came out of him when he came out of of, uh, of college. And what he did in the NFL, what he did with uh, with Carolina and taking him to the Super Bowl and being on that cusp and not quite getting there and then getting released from that situation. I, you know, th there's I think there's a lot that's gone on in his head since he's played um, in the NFL. And I don't disagree with the fact that them giving the reins to Mac Jones would put a bullseye on his back because everyone's trying to pay attention to what Cam's doing. Why did Cam not get the starting position? Because as soon as that, that's one of the conundrums we have here with the Andy Dalton versus Justin Fields. Correct. You know, one's looking over. If you're Justin Fields, you're looking over your back because, you know, you got you got a guy that played 10 years in the league, you know, uh, uh, as your backup. So, I mean, it is a tricky situation. I don't disagree with what Cam said. I think I think he's actually right on point with what he's saying. I think what it is, is that because he's eccentric, because he wears his hair in a certain way and he dresses a certain way and, and, and the way that he speaks and, and this, that, or whatever. I think he has a very high opinion of himself. And I think what happens is, is that people don't necessarily live up to the expectations that he has for them. And then, you know, you know, he kind of puts himself on a pedestal, but people have been putting him, him on a pedestal his whole life as well. I have no issue with Cam's skills. I have no issues with the way he dresses and presents himself. That's, that's up to him. That's fine. Um, my issue is that you couldn't beat out a kid. 
you couldn't beat out a kid who just got no, drafted. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think. I think what happened is, is that when New England got, um, when they got Mac Jones, they knew that they wanted to start him, and they said that if if it came down to a 50-50 shot, they wanted to give it to the kid. So there's there's a, there's you got a, a thing that you have to remember is that Bill Belichick is the GM of that team. That he is, is the one that yep. controls the roster oh, yeah. on that team. Yeah. So if he says, you know what? Knowing what I know, being a coach for 150 years in this league, I know that Cam Newton could possibly be a distraction. I want to give this this kid the best chance possible. Just and yeah. I also want to give Cam a chance to latch on with another team because you know within, wait, we're, what is it? It's 3 o'clock right now on the first Sunday of the NFL season. You know it's going to be a quarterback or somebody that goes down. There's already a quarterback next, down. Uh, two, three. The, Fitzpatrick, oh. Fitzpatrick is down and out for the, for the game with a hip. There you go. So, so I mean, like, there's there opportunities go. out there, and I think you know it's. I think it's 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 fair to Mac Jones to, to have it where you're not having this looming presence behind you, and it's fair to Cam because now you get an opportunity. If Bill Belichick says, you know what, I want to start with the kid. What do I have to lose? I'm the best coach of all time. I have all these titles. There's not that much pressure on me. The only way that I'm leaving is if I leave. So, hey, let's see what happens. No, I I agree with you on that point. That the best thing for the kid for Mac Jones is to not to have any distractions and he's right he is a distraction because of his loud personality and they know right. what his skill set is so the other thing is that you don't want the kid to start and then he struggles and then the media is like oh why don't you just put Cam in why don't you put Cam in because why, what, yeah, what, why did, did they right. make a mistake right so the, now there's nothing this is very similar to our situation we're not going to go backwards once you put the kid in it's it's his show to run and run it to the ground. You're not going to go backwards anymore, and that's exactly. But the what difference Bel- is, is that you you have you have what a fourth year uh, uh, head coach and a what a sixth year um, uh, GM mm-hmm. who are still trying to figure out their way and figure out their path in the NFL. You know, Matt Nagy is still basically trying to follow Kansas City footsteps without realizing this ain't Kansas City yeah, and Andy yeah, Reid. He needs to get over that. And that's, and that's how every coach operates. You're going to oh, follow the footsteps. Yeah. They're disciples I mean, of somebody you know, else. You know, right. how many coaches, you know how many coaches basically built their career on following what Bill Parcells did and then found their own way later? Bill right. Belichick is one of them. Right, right. All right, let's move on to story number three. And this one kind of hits home because... He's one of our favorite actors from different series. Actor Michael K. Williams, uh, the actor known in it for his role as Omar, uh, little Omar in HBO's The Wire has died. He was 54. He was found dead in New York City apartment Monday afternoon, a law enforcement official told CNN. The investigators found drug paraphernalia near his body. The official said that the investigation is ongoing, according to another law enforcement source who spoke with CNN. What is your favorite character that he played? First of all, I would like to, you know, uh, extend my condolences to his family. Um, this this is a guy that really kind of came, went had a hard time in his life and came through the other side. You know, from he was uh, he was in prison when he was younger. He came through and uh, he came out to be an unbelievable actor. Um, he had some of the most memorable characters of all time. My favorite character is probably Chalky White. Likewise, um, from Boardwalk Empire, which I still haven't finished watching. <laughs> there we go. Now, now you got to finish it. But yeah, now I got to finish it. And funny enough is that I was been uh, I've been watching uh, Community uh, because I am stuck at home, <laughs> and he was actually in that show as well, pay, playing a professor, and and literally the same day that he passed. So um, 
this is one of those unfortunate things when they say drug paraphernalia um the the like preliminary reports that i saw was not really like it wasn't like street drugs it was more pharmaceutical drugs you know sleeping drugs things like that so yeah well, um, empty and you know what's that it's what they mean by this potty empty pill bottles bottles they're just you know they're yeah so i mean you know who knows what you know that's the problem is that when you're famous and you're a celebrity you can kind of get your hands on all types of pharmaceutical grade drugs like uh what happened with prince what happened with michael jackson so um it's sad because he really was coming into his own but the i mean i guess the good thing is is that he leaves a lot to remember him by and that he did solidify his legacy as a great actor he sure did and chalky white was also my favorite character alongside with the um that one-off series of the night of where he uh he's when he's there he's he's like the big dog in prison and he takes a liking to this new kid who's you know wide-eyed and didn't know what he was getting into um, and what I was reading about him is that he took uh, family situations, family stories, um, his family characters, and and imposed it into the acting that he was doing. The chalky white character was based on his dad. Yeah, yeah, and I believe that because I mean, you look at the time period that that Boardwalk Empire was going on and what was happening. I mean, it was a pretty significant uh, part in race relations at the time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, to have him. Um, you know, like I said, you know, a, a guy that was in prison, a roughneck, if you will, um, come out on the other side and really, you know, get his life together and and have a significant impact in pop culture. Um, he's definitely going to be sorely missed. I, I, I don't I don't want to end this segment on a sad note. So okay. let's talk about something funny that happened. I was not here last week, so we did not <laughs> touch this. No. Um, so. ESPN somehow got tricked into televising a football game of a fake high school called Bishop Sycamore. Uh, they are largely <laughs> they are largely uh, unknown outside of Ohio. They went viral after they scheduled a game against the number two team in the country, according to MaxPreps.com. Uh, the team is IMG Academy. The game was televised on ESPN. Bishop Sycamore lost the game fifty-eight to nothing. And it was later revealed that it was their second game in three days. Now, um, <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. They found out that uh, essentially a lot of the commentators were questioning during the broadcast whether they had been deceived by the by Bishop Sycamore about the quality of the team and uh, when the game was scheduled. And they even expressed concern about the safety of the players um, because basically they got their ass kicked when they really kind of looked into it, um, they found out that this is not a high school team. Uh, this is basically a bunch of JUCO uh, transfers, junior college uh, players that were all apparently just fucking terrible at football. And they were, I don't know what the hell, I, I don't understand what this is. They even, they're now accused of stiffing the hotel where they stayed for the nationally televised Geico ESPN high school football kickoff game. Uh, and there's a warrant. And there's a warrant for the uh, head coach. There's a warrant out for the head coach yeah, as well. There's, there's there's a warrant out for the head coach. I mean, he got fired from the uh, from the program. Uh, essentially, what I'm, I did a little bit of digging into this. Essentially, this is like an online school, so I've never seen online football unless you're talking about Madden. That's the only way um, But yeah, this is this is just insane. Uh, the Bishop Sycamore director came, uh, talked about the ESPN controversy. He said the football program is not a scam. 
Um, the school ba- uh, claims to be based in Columbus, Ohio. There is no address listed on the website. Um, yeah, Andre Peterson, who played for Jim Trestle back in uh, in the 80s at Youngstown State, he is Bishop Sycamore's founder, director, and he currently coaches the, the team's offensive and defensive lines. What the hell this is? Uh, the, the coach, Roy Johnson, had been fired after the game where these grown men lost the high school game. Uh, this is embarrassing. One by ESPN, just for not doing their due diligence. You're supposed to be the world of sports and knowing you're you're, you're used, to, you used to be the pinnacle, and now now everyone else is coming up above you, man. This is just a black eye for ESPN, and for all those young men's in JUCO college who are playing on a football online football uh, uh, online high school team, and you can't beat a high school team. This is embarrassing. Well, I mean. It's the number two team in the country, so you know that. Th- I mean, you got football that acts the same way that um, that basketball does with their. Uh, w- w- I forget the, the term, but where they gather up all the best players in the country and they uh, and they and they just basically play make these teams like that. The AAU uh, I mean, every, every, the AAU exactly. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, look, all sports do this. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know there was a there was a big story earlier in the season about the. Uh, the Humboldt Park Gators, the all-girl baseball team that went mm-hmm. to the tournament. And that team is made up of not just girls from Humboldt Park, but girls from all over uh, the Chicago area. I know for a fact because a, a friend of mine's daughters played on it. A couple of different friends of mine's daughters played in those teams. So, I mean, this is the equivalent of that when you look at IMG Academy. These are just really, really good players that gathered up and, and made an AAU football team, number two high school team in the country. Um so you know that these are going to be like kids that are, you know, headed for the NFL or at least have high aspirations going to really good colleges to play mm-hmm. football. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that a bunch of, you know, Juco kids got their ass beat by, you know, good. High- I mean, hell, we, you know, we went to Lane. I remember being a freshman. It was a kid. It was like six and had to shave by lunchtime. So, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's just what it is, man. But it, it, it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing for these kids or these adults that went on live TV and got their asses kicked by, uh, you know, prepubescent kids. And it's embarrassing for ESPN. To be fair, they probably get, like, a ton of this stuff coming at them all the time. And somebody somebody got fired, man. Somebody got fired. Oh, ESPN yeah, someone dropped the ball. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We're good. And somebody, it's probably somebody that was doing exactly what they're told. They're like, okay, this is a team. Schedule it. Put it on the books, this and that. And they're just like, okay, I'm doing what I'm told. And it was probably right. from an intern or some you know, young, young kid that just put it on the air and didn't really uh, do much research. But uh, <laughs> I thought this was pretty damn funny. I mean, it's funny to <laughs> it's us. Fucking, so that's all that matters. What a joke. All right, y'all, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. <laughs> this is The Loop, our Chicago Sports Roundup, where we keep you in the loop. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Welcome Welcome to Chicago. This is Chicago. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Z, what's going on at the house that Jordan built and the Chicago Bulls? The Chicago Bulls signed former Toronto Raptor forward Stanley Johnson on Wednesday. So it's good. 
So they're, they're filling out the uh, their roster, you know, back end of the roster with some players that can play defense. Uh, they have certain mm-hmm. skills. They also announced deals with free agent forwards Tyler Cook and Alize Johnson. I get that right? I, hey, uh, you remember Alize? Uh, the drink from back yes. in the day. The drink, yeah, Ooh. yeah, that, oh, yeah, man, the incredible. Hulk. That's that's what happens when when you hang out with girls from the West Side. You drink Alize. <laughs> <laughs> At least in the 90s. Uh, yeah, 90s, 2000s. That, that all works. That all checks out there. <laughs> they also signed guard Matt Thomas and Ethan Thompson. Stanley Johnson averaged 6.2 points for Detroit, New Orleans, and Toronto. And since the Pins- the Pistons draft him uh, eight with the eighth overall pick in 2015, he's averaged 4.4. Uh, I'm guessing that's points. <laughs> I don't know. You wrote, you wrote this one. <laughs> yeah, I did write this one. This yeah. this is where I proofread. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he averaged four point four points in sixty one games for Toronto last season, uh, which was his second season with the Raptors. Zach Levine, Vucci Man, Kobe White might be the only recognizable names returning next season. There have been some rumblings that the Bulls may be already looking to move on from Kobe White. So two years into his NBA career, do you think it's ready? It's early. Or, or is it a good time to move on from Kobe White? Look, I mean, it looks like AK and uh, ME, Mark Everett, they're they're looking to fill the roster with players that they've been scouting for a while. I mean, look at um, Johnson. I mean, a number a number eight overall pick six mm-hmm. years ago. Um, he bounced around the league a little bit, but I mean, you know, it looks like they're really trying to solidify this bench because they have made so many moves in the past year and a half. Your starting lineup looks completely different than it did to start the season last year. It sure does. And Kobe White, Kobe White is a player that I always um, compare to Zach Levine. Very similar uh, type of player as far as like just being an explosive scorer, but uh, not great on defense. I think that's really Kobe's problem. But I, I, honestly, I think it's too early to, to try to move on from Kobe. He's only two years into the league. He did have a little bit of an injury issue, and I think with this guy, I think their hope. I mean, this is a this is a first round pick, and I think their hope was that they could um, really develop him. You look at guys uh, their, their last couple of picks. You know, you got Lowry, um, you got the Paw or the Claw, or whatever the hell this guy's name is, Pat Williams, <laughs> and you got Kobe. And you know, we already saw them move on from from Lowry. But I really think that they're dependent on what's going to happen with Williams. And I think Kobe White could be a very important part and and, and serve a very important role on this team, especially coming off the bench. When Zach Levine gets his rest, you do need someone that's going to be able to score off the bench. And I think Kobe White could be that guy. And I agree with you with that. Kobe White is only two years into the league. He is, right now, he is a bench player. He's going to come out off the bench. He's going to get your 18 to 20 minutes per game and he's, he can score you know 12 to 14 points a game in that role right there'll be there's gonna be times yeah. where he gets hot yes and he'll score your 20 and 30 points and that happens with every bench player that, that that's that's coming off the bench for the first team so that's gonna happen is it too early to get to, to dismiss him it, it is two years into the league he's got a new administration he's got a new coach he's got a new system right. now he's got all new teammates and better teammates, better quality teammates as far as basketball uh, ability and knowledge. He's in a better place to succeed right now with the Bulls than he would be with anybody else. 
A hundred percent. And the thing is, is that you don't want to give up on these young players too early. The the Bulls do have a history of doing that. Guys that they brought in and they just kind of let go. I mean, look at a guy like Spencer Dimwitty, who really sh uh, shined after he left the Bulls. I have a feeling that that's exactly what's going to happen with Laurie Markkinen. But the fact of the matter is, is at least with Lowry, that you knew that he did have a shot here and you really just couldn't stay healthy or he just really never meshed with with the culture that's going on here. And I think with this new administration, their goal is to make a brand new culture, start fresh, start from scratch, bring in some veterans that they feel like can definitely um, help the young guys along and, and instill a culture, a winning culture back in the United Center. The, the Acme culture... Uh, as I like to call it, is very similar to when Theo came here uh, for the Cubs, where you knew yeah. he had a proven record of drafting well, making great deals, changing an organization that's at the bottom and flipping them all the way to the top. That's exactly what I see with the Acme administration, and the fact that they flipped the entire roster within one year is amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the other thing, too, is funny that you bring that up, because when we really think about it, you, you think about the role that Theo actually held with the Chicago Cubs. And right now we're seeing uh, Art Carney, Karnaschovas, basically having that same role. We know that he is the um, president of basketball operations. Right. And technically, Mark Eversley is your GM. GM mm -hmm. But look who's running the show. You know, you look at that when you look at uh, Theo and Jed, right. you know, that's exactly the same situation and the, sure the same hierarchy that the Bulls have, have put in place. So I, I got to say, like, you know, within the last couple of years, I will give Reinsdorf and their ownership group props for not only what they've been able to do with the Chicago White Sox, but also what they've been do, be able to do with the Chicago Bulls. And it seems that since Reinsdorf, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf has kind of gave the, the, the reins over to his son that we're seeing a major culture shift in both teams. Yeah, and, and again, and that, that goes to exactly what happened with the other team at the United Center when the Sun took over, uh, Wurtz Jr. took over for the Blackhawks, yeah. put the team back on TV, and did a bunch of marketing for them and made the team accessible to everybody, for everybody to come back into the building and love the Blackhawks the way we know they, they're loved. And it's the same thing with the Bulls. The Bulls held the attendance record for years and years and years. And then yeah, recently yeah. they sucked and people were like, you know what? We're sick of it. I mean, we love going to the United Center because it's so much fun because you have tons of entertainment. But I came to see the product on the court. Not not, not the uh, lady who's on the unicycle flipping teacups and, you know, plates onto her head. And then the bucket boys. Hey, 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 hey. hey. She's awesome. She is awesome. She is phenomenal. She is that. But with that with that unicycle that's like eight feet in the air and she's like, oh, yeah. come on, bro. No, no, hey, she you couldn't cool. do that. No, I can't. But but, but I get look, I think your point is that when that's the most entertaining part of the game, yes. then you have a problem. That's exactly. I came to see the product on the court, not the halftime show, which is always phenomenal. I'm not gonna knock them. They always have great pregame shows as well around the United Center where they have live bands. They have DJs. They have um, magicians. They have the balloon animal guy. I used to work there. I know all these guys, but personally, he's not. So it's crazy. But I came to see Derek Rose play, and he was always hurt, and that's what faulted them. And then now you had, you know, we had Felicio at the end of the bench. You're like, I don't come to see Felicio at the end of the bench. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I came no, to no. see uh, yeah, Levine. Yeah, no comes to see him. Yeah, well, I don't know where you know. He's back in Brazil, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I came to see Levine you know, Dunk. That's what I came to see. Here's the thing, though. It says, you know, when you look 
look at the culture of Chicago sports, whether it be the Cubs, the Bears, the White Sox, you know, you're looking at, at the Blackhawks, the original 16. You're looking at teams that are have a very, very rich history, right. tradition. And, you know, the Bulls have only been around since, I think, 1966. But what happened is, is that when they basically flipped the script in the 90s and, and, and built a dynasty, all of a sudden that now you have that old mentality, even though the team is, what, 50 or 60 years old, you know, you have a different mentality. And what happens is, is that because of that, you have ownership that stays around for a long time. I mean, look at what's going on with the Chicago Bears, Sweaty Teddy, Virginia, right. the rest of the crew that have been around since, what, 19, you know, 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, my point is, is that sometimes when you are steeped in tradition, when you are, uh, when you have such a long-standing culture and, and a rich history, you know, you kind of get stuck in a cycle where you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over. Very complacent. And that's right. We saw the same thing that happened with the Chicago Cubs. They were able to change the culture. We saw that happen with the Chicago White Sox after years and years of them just signing these the mediocre names. cast-offs from other teams and trying to put butts in seats. Yep. Now they're actually bringing in their own guys, bringing along guys, and filling in the, the rest of the spots with your veterans versus just bringing in guys that have played in the league for 10 years. Hopefully you can get a little bit of more juice out of that lemon and see what happens. Right. The, the Blackhawks did the same thing, the way that they changed the culture, just as you said. They brought three championships out of that. So now, just in the same fashion, the Chicago Bulls are doing the same thing. And like I said, when we come back to the original question, it's too early to move on from Kobe because you have to see and you have to give this guy a chance with what they're doing and what the, their culture is right now. He isn't a bad guy. It's not like no. he's a distraction or been no, a bad player, but they have to give him a chance. Yeah, he just got to put in the work uh, this summer and, you know, in the preseason. Be, show that he can actually, you know, shoot a jump shot and not just be a uh, a, a driving force. He's got to be able to be, you know, probably, I don't want a Rondo where someone would be like, oh, I don't have to guard you because I, you can't shoot a ball. Or what's his name in Philadelphia? Right. Anyways, let's make a transition over to your favorite college football team, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, brother. Tell me what they did this week. Uh, the Notre, Notre Dame Fighting Irish survived another thriller to start the college football season when they edged out the Toledo Rockets 32 to 29. I had no idea the name was the Rockets. That sounds terrible. Uh, it was a boring game and a frustrating game, and then it just went completely wild. Uh, three play, 70 yard touchdown drive in just under 30 seconds by the Irish and quarterback Jack Cohn put the Irish up with just. 109 left in the game and a busted Avery uh, Davis reverse pass was converted into two points to add a little bit of insurance. Still, it wasn't until Notre Dame stripped the ball away and recovered a fumble with 25 seconds left in the game that we could finally exhale a sigh of relief. They had to come from behind to beat a Toledo team that most people think they should have blown out. The Irish played two quarterbacks in Saturday's game going back and forth between senior transfer Jack Cohn and freshman Tyler Buckner. Buckner provided a spark with his running ability after Cone got into some trouble, but in the fourth quarter, Cone was the one that led them to victory. One play after dislocating his finger Ouch. and having it put back in place by the coaches, Cone threw the game winner. Now, the Irish just squeaked out a win against uh, Florida State University last week, winning on a, a uh, 
overtime field goal after FSU missed it. I guess we can kind of call that luck of the Irish. Hey. I don't know what else to call it. Oh. No, this this was a very competitive game. Um, it looks like the... Um, it was a little up. too competitive for my taste. This meeting is... The recording has stopped. Okay, I don't, I don't need the recording from there. That's fine. Right, we're fine. I have it on the roadcaster. Um, okay. My, my issue with, with, with Notre Dame has always been they're always playing two quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad I thing? Mean, not, not really because, I mean, um, last year they, they – ah, shit, I can't remember his name right now. But last year they <laughs> they were pretty consistent. I mean, they went to the playoff. They got their asses blown out. But here's the problem is that they are not – it seems like they are they play up and down to their competition unless it's another Power 5 school because they have a, such a hard time against – these really good teams, they're like, they're in like the hall of very good. These are not hall of fame. This is not a hall of fame team as it currently sits. Now, okay. um, now when we look at some of the game notes here, the Irish did win their 34th consecutive win against an unranked opponent. And their home winning streak is, is the second longest active streak in the country right behind Clemson. And Brian Kelly is now just one win away from tying Newt Rockney for the most wins of all time as a head coach of Notre Dame. I think it's something like 103 or 102 or something I mean, like he'll, that. He'll get it. So, so Brian, Brian Kelly's been here for, what, 12 seasons now? Um, look, I would say, at least within modern uh, fighting Irish history, he is definitely the best coach that they've had. They've been dealing Great. with... Um, you know, they, they they haven't had really strong or solid quarterback play. They've kind of been right down the middle. And the problem is, is that Notre Dame has a really good tradition of uh, like tight ends and good defensive players and good offensive linemen. But they don't have a good tradition of your explosive players. you got a couple of decent uh, wide receivers. Will Fuller is one. Chase Claypool is one. Mm -hmm. Receivers that do well in the NFL – but on the college football landscape, you don't have these bruisers as of recent history uh, running behind that line. Or and you don't have these great uh, 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 quarterbacks. Ian Book is the guy I'm thinking about yeah. there, that they had for, yeah. for a couple of years. I mean, even Cone, he's a transfer that came in this season. So, I mean, do they have a chance to make the playoff? I don't know. Look, they, they got to play... Uh, Purdue this upcoming weekend over in South Bend. That's it was game. really great That's to see fans back, um, you know, in the stadium at home. But look, I, I mean, I'll watch them every week. But th these guys just sit there and try to give you a heart attack, and they play they play down to lesser uh, opponents. But I also think because it's the Irish, some of these teams get up to play them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to tell you that that this is their big game of the year for them. So you know, to Toledo Rockets, yeah. I mean. That sounds like something that should be put on XNXN or something like that. I don't know whatever those things are. <laughs> um, now a lot of a lot of people were pissed because it, it was streaming on the Peacock app and yeah. not on regular broadcast TV. That's why I probably missed it because that uh, football was on TV. I think it was uh, <laughs> Ma Manchester United was uh, was playing uh, or somebody else. I don't know. Some, there was some soccer going on. So I guess you well, know. my my favorite part is on the Facebook groups. Like the uh, boomers were losing their minds, oh, and I'm like, God. look, 
everything is streaming yes. technically when you watch tv when you watch live tv that's streaming yeah because you know it, that's why you get the the pixels that's why you, you know that's why you're able to record it. it's all streaming technically it's just through a different box so right uh get used to the future folks it's coming <laughs> All right, man, what's going on in Evanston with the Northwestern Wildcats? Go Cats. The Cats, they bounce back after a 38-21 season opening loss to Michigan State. This time taking another state from the team, uh, another state team in Indiana State. Uh, You don't know where that's at? It's in the Indiana uh, place, Yeah, it? it's, in, in, it's in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the White Cats sit fair to call that a snooze fest after the Cats went up 14-0 early on. Uh, there was limited offense action throughout the contest against FCS program, Indiana State. Uh, that was a vintage Northwestern football. I mean, it's just a d- d- defensive uh, uh, game where they're just going back and forth. And they put up some points, and it's kind of boring. The Whitecats look far from the team that lost to Michigan State last Friday, but also far from the one that won the Citrus Bowl during the 2020 season. Here's, you know, our stock report from Northwestern's 24-6 victory from uh, over Indiana State. I mean, a boring, good victory is all I got to say about it. Go Cats. So, I mean, look, you, yeah, go Cats. I mean, look, they, they lost in the season opener against Mel Tucker, former Bears uh, defensive coordinator Mel Tucker, um, and the uh, and Michigan State and you know Michigan State is still a better team. We know that because you know we, we look at what we, if we kind of look around the Big Ten. You know you have your powerhouses. You got your yeah. Michigan State. You got your Ohio State. You got your Michigan. Um, you know uh, uh, Penn State. You know you you got teams there that you're expecting to win, and that's why when you look at Northwestern, whatever team, whatever game they win, it always seems like a bonus because we never expect too much out of them. Um, I think when we look at any team that's led by Pat Fitzgerald, you have a good feeling because you, you like him. He is uh, from Northwestern. You know, he took over after um, after a tragedy to the team. So anything that they get is a bonus. It's almost like a catcher that can hit as well, you know. But uh, do we get super excited about when Northwestern is early in the season? They're, they're playing against some of these Big Ten opponents. Not necessarily. I mean, like I said, they're, they're, they're sitting there. And uh, I, I mean, I'll turn them on if they're on, but I mean, I'm not just like getting all hyped up to put on my purple jersey. You have a purple jersey? Nah. So now, now that we're talking about the Big Ten, why don't you tell us uh, what's going on with the Illinois Fighting Illini? Oh boy, the uh, Illini. Jesus, this is this is not a good one to talk about. The Illinois football team fell to one and two on Saturday as Vir- the Virginia Cavaliers carved us up with a 42 to 14 route. The pass defense is a huge issue when you give up 42 points on 423 passing yards. All blame lies on the secondary. Illinois just doesn't have the talent at defensive back to stop a team from passing the ball. Our best cornerback, Tony Adams, and he was getting burnt quite often. Uh, Devon Weatherspoon has some good moments, but he was shredded most of the whole game. These are the two best options we have in the secondary, and they're just not good enough. You know, we, we all know that this is a Bears town. This is the Bears state. This is the Bears country yep. um, because, you know, Bear down, baby. Um, look, I, I mean, I, I'm glad to talk about him, but I don't want to. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'll talk about him all day, but, you know, I'm not paying attention to Illinois right now. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things like, you, you know, do you really pay attention to Illinois basketball unless they like are in the tournament? 
Um, I, I'll wait. Um, I won't. No, I won't watch them till like February, right before their tournament, to see if what, who they are and what they are. Illinois. I mean, college basketball. Yeah, until February. I don't. I don't bother with that. And then with the fire line, as far as the football team, they haven't had a good football team in years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm, I'm checking for Alabama and LSU and Clemson and right. you know good teams. You know mm-hmm. even oh, yeah. Oregon. I like watching Oregon. Um, I, I'll put on a Wisconsin game before I put on the Illinois game. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing is, especially when you got when you got the two TV set up like we got here in, in the uh, in the fan cave. Mm-hmm. You know I, I'm not looking for Illinois as my first choice. I'm sorry. No. Um, I, I'm glad that uh, you're you're the team that represents our state. I guess, uh, but. Uh, and, and they don't have Lovey down there no more either. No, they so. don't. So right now they're they're like pretty much the redheaded stepchild because it is going to be Notre Dame, then Northwestern, and then the Illini. Man, I might even watch the Redbirds over the Illini. What the hell is the Redbirds? Oh boy, I Illinois State University. <laughs> okay, those guys. Yep, sure. Go, Why go, not? go Redbirds? <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, no, because that's the Cardinals. Now I don't like that. No, we, we just scratch that. You could erase that from the record. Erase that from the record. <laughs> yeah. No. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back up. With, well, we'll be right back with three up and three down after a <laughs> word from our sponsors. <laughs> this oh, is Chicago. Man. Doors open on the left at Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So I know you want to do it. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. It's time to touch bases with our baseball teams. This is three up and three down. I think I'll uh-huh. with my slow ball. One, two, three strikes, you're out. All right, man. What is going on with those Cubbies? They, they're hot. The Chicago Cubs are in the middle of a hot streak, winning eight of nine last week. Rafael Ortega and Frank the Tank Schwindel have been the ringleaders, uh, hitting some uh, grand slams, senor. That's right. Uh, that's a, a grand salamis uh, out there killing it. Look, look, man, we know what this team is right now. It's a triple-A team, but they're really showing out as of late, and they're trying to ruin the Reds' playoff chances. At the very least, I can say that I'm enjoying watching Cubs baseball again for the first time in a long time. These young guys are in their mid to late 20s and they're taking full advantage of their opportunity. Now, I know fans are still reeling after all the moves that the Cubs made at the trade deadline, but if you're a Cubs fan, this is exciting. Just just see them actually like show out and do well. No, this is exciting to watch because I'm even tuning in when they're not playing at the same time. I, I'll tune in and let's see what Frank is doing. Um, and, and the Ortega, the kid from Chicago, what he's doing. I mean, you still got some good pieces here. Um, and just, just you got guys that were getting called up. They're taking their shot at staying here because 
next year, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to be back up here, you're going to be back down in AAA. Are you going to be moved right. along somewhere else? These guys don't know. So they may be playing for their job or their career, whether it's here or somewhere else. You know, well, first of all, I'm going to tell you right now, since you're such a Cubs fan, Ortega is not the kid from Chicago. That's Michael Hermosillo. That's oh, that's right. Hermosillo, yes. He's actually out. He's actually out right now with an injury. Um, but look, I, a couple of guys that I'm pretty confident will be up here next year is going to be Schwindel and probably Patrick Wisdom and Bodie that came back from IL this week with his beard uh, nice and grown out. Hopefully he doesn't uh, turn into Dallas Keiko where he forgets how to do his job. But, you know, Ian Happ has been a little bit better lately. But I, I think part of the problem that the Cubs are having is that these guys that they expect to have much bigger roles are not showing out like a guy like Ian Happ. Um, but, I mean, I think overall what they're, what they're looking at right now is just to go out there, have fun. There's no pressure. Um, I know there was a... Uh, um, was it uh, Nikki Two Strikes? There was a, uh, a, a sighting. sighting of him. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, there was a sighting of Nikki Two Strikes. He was out there taking ground balls and hitting the yeah. batting practice. So that's a good sign. So you know what I mean? Like it's exciting to see what they what they think they have. Um, you know, one player that's always under fire from Cubs fans is Jason Hayward, and he shut up some of his distractors last week after launching a game-winning home run. Um, you know, one thing I've seen is fans blame him for the for the Cubs for because they weren't able to retain Baez and Bryant and Rizzo. But there's no way you can blame him for that. You know, his contract is what it is. And he's been a phenomenal leader for this team for years. He's a gold glover. I mean, you know, he he's a guy that I hope that in the future, Cubs fans really appreciate what he brought to this team, not only during the 2016 championship year, but the subsequent years where he's been a true professional and despite the, you know, despite all this noise, he was removed from the game last Saturday after he slid in the third and he got kneed in the head. And Cubs fans Ouch. literally celebrated this injury. What a bunch of assholes. I mean, like, what is wrong with y'all? He's still a player on the Chicago Cubs. You are supposed to be a fan of the Chicago Cubs. This guy had a very important role in helping the Cubs win a World Series. And, you know, you guys treat him like trash. It's ridiculous. Yeah, not cool. Um, when he's wearing your team's colors, he's your team's guy. You you don't cheer against one of those guys. You can boo him struggling at the plate. You can boo when he makes an error. But the guy's hustling the third and gets injured, and you're cheering that? I don't know, man. That is not cool. Maybe those aren't not the real fans. Those are the the, the transplants and the uh, uh, and the. Uh, what do you call the it? Man, the leftover bandwagoners. Well, the the, the, the the visitors are coming in from different towns. You know, those. That, those you know, the, that's that's, that's the thing. That you know, and and that's the thing that I, I talk about quite a bit is that I always forget that when your team starts to get really good and you start to win championships, just the same way that I started kind of being uh, paying more attention to the Chicago Blackhawks, the same thing happened with the White Sox in 2005 and with the Cubs in 2016. And with that comes the, the guys that don't understand the history of the struggles. So you don't know what it was like to watch Alfonso Soriano out there just jump all the time for no good damn reason. <laughs> um, you know, some, see some of these like really terrible outfielders or, or just players in general. And you can't appreciate a guy like that. Um, you know, I always I still to this day think that when he got busted in the face when he was with Atlanta, when he was a young man. 
that changed the entire trajectory of his career. I think he became gun shy. But, you know, and, and being out there in the outfield is, is his safe space or whatever you want to say because he is still a, a pretty damn good outfielder. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a shame. You know, when we, we talk about all these fan favorites, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant, you know, they've been on the Cubs fans' radar since they were moved. You know, people are still paying attention to these former Cubs. Uh, you know, one cool thing that I saw was Rizzo and Baez. They shared a nice moment at first base last week uh, during the Subway Series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mets went and faced the Yankees for the 9-11 uh, anniversary and all that. But they shared a hug at first base. And, uh, you know, the Cubs fans' hearts just melted all over the place. <laughs> they most of them probably creamed their pants, too. Oh, boy. Just start making a uh, rom-com right now. Uh, speaking of former Cubs, Chris Bryant made his return to Wrigley, his first time playing on the north side in an opponent's uniform. The Cubs honored KB with a banner that said 2016, and Bryant gave out cookies with the Cubs logo to the staff. Look, I know there's been a war of words in the media with these former Cubs, and I keep telling people, be a fan of the team. You can still be a fan of the player. But look, these are always going to be our guys. You know what I mean? Like, look, we still talk about the guys from the 85 Bears like they're, you know, a family member. You know what I mean? So these are players that will be in our hearts forever. And I, I honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit um, disheartened by the way that this team these players that that finally helped your favorite baseball team win a World Series, how they get treated like trash. Some of them are put up on a pedestal. You know, some of them are like, you're the best guy ever. Um, but I mean, you know, even even a guy like like Mike Montgomery, who is no longer in MLB, I actually saw him uh, in the in the Japanese leagues uh, trying to attack an umpire over the strike zone. He literally wow. like threw a ball in an ump. It was nuts. But I mean, look, I feel like I feel like some of these guys are overloved, and some of the guys that were here, they're just getting a lot of hate for no good reason. I think they're overloved just because other Cup fans, the real Cup fans who've been through the struggle, they will put these guys, like you said, like the Bears, they're put on a a statue, a, a platform that no one can touch. It's very very much right. like that. The comparisons are very very similar. Again. These guys can come to Chicago and get a free meal wherever they want because they're beloved by the city. So that I am not knocking that. I don't condone the booing of one of the one of the players. I don't think that's cool at all. Where, what I'm looking and trying to focus on are Cub fans concerns with draft picks over the winning right now. You you, you have a great momentum. It, it's it's good for morale, but you're costing yourself a draft pick. And I know players are going to play to win. GMs and managers are looking at the big picture. So what is your look, concern? It's, here's the thing. It's it's not like they don't get the draft if they keep winning. You know what I mean? Like, they're still no, going to be a draft pick. Right. And, and the dra- and, you're dropping from a top is, is 10 like, to top 15, and that's a huge difference when it comes to MLB prospects. Does it really? Because no. uh, look at some of these guys that are, like, come out of nowhere, and then they, they smash. You know what I mean? Like, you get guys that are, like, 19, 20, and they come up, and they have a flash in the pan, and you never see them again. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not that concerned with high draft picks in the MLB. I'm sorry. I, I'm just not, man. Well, the thing is that you guys have not developed pitching. You guys have bought pitching in the recent years. Okay. And, and most most teams, honestly, most teams, like what, aside from what, the Mets? The White Sox. The Mets that went up there. The Mets uh, uh, built up their team. The White Sox got a couple of guys. But look, who else is on? Who else is in your starting rotation that came from another team? Keiko. Lance Lynn, Zolito, Keiko. 
Cease came from the Cubs. I mean, he was a prospect. But he, so, I mean, it's not like, you know, you guys are, are... It's not like most teams develop pitching that much. Most of the time, you're leaning on guys that uh, were a number three or they're just up and coming or whatever it is coming from another team. Uh, their contract is up. They just went to the playoffs. They had a great year, blah, blah, blah. I mean, look at Trevor Bauer gets traded. You Darvish gets traded. So, I mean, it's not like this isn't a traditional thing where really good pitchers end up on different teams anyway. Uh, what, what's his name? Um, um, oh, two eyes, uh, two different color eyes from uh, Scherzer, Washington. He, Scherzer. he went over. I can't remember his name. Top of my head right now. Uh, but he's in the Dodgers right now. You know what I mean? So, like, pitchers will always, you can find pitching. Um, you're going to pay for it, though. That's the issue. You're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it. But, I mean, like, everyone pays for everything. You know what I mean? Like, when it comes to pitching, not many teams develop their own pitchers. I'm sorry. Yeah. You got Tampa. You got. Um, there's a, there's okay, a handful but Tampa, of teams. But, but the thing is, is that look at the Blake Snell is not on Tampa anymore. You've been talking about one team in the whole MLB that consistently builds up their pitchers. Maybe. Every other team get takes their every other team's best pitcher probably came from another team. Yeah, you can say that. All right. So with who's out of this new bunch of these new guys that are that are playing well, which ones are going to be your building blocks on the next run? I mean, realistically, I think you're looking at Schwindel. I think he's a good player. I, I think that... <coughs> That's a fine. <coughs> I beg your pardon. What was that? The cold kicking in. But uh, I think, again, Schwindel is the guy that we could look uh, look for because he's already becoming a fan favorite. He's already got a meme of him, like, you know, with the finger guns. He's got the cool... Slick back hair. He kind of looks like a dork with the helmet on, but you choose to take his helmet off. He looks like a cool guy out there hanging out in Wrigleyville, you know, trying to pick up girls, you know, at three in the morning before game day, like in the 60s. Mm. Um, I think uh, Ortega will be around. You know, I think he, he's the guy that's in his, uh, I think he's 30 now. Um, Wisdom, you're going to see stick around next year. What role? I don't know. He might be starting. Schwindel, I think, will probably start at first. And like I said before, you got Madrigal and you got Ed Howard sitting down there. So, I right. mean, there is guys um, that are coming up. And we also have really have to see what Michael Hermcio has because he hasn't really had a chance to play um, except for a cup of coffee. The other guys that are playing in your outfield are guys that you've had for a while. Uh, Matt Duffy. I, I think the, the, the biggest thing is that the Cubs have to look at free agency and see how they're going to fill these holes. Right, and that's where I was going to go with that. Is will the Cubs spend in free agency, and who are your main targets? Um, I mean, I think really what you're going to look at right now is probably one of these shortstops that's going to be available. You got Trevor Story, uh, Javi is going to be a free agent again. Um, that's, uh, the kid up in uh, um, you got Simeon over there in Toronto. There it is. There it is. He's second, he playing second about. base, but he's a shortstop. Uh, but I oh I, you know I'm, I'm thinking about Car- uh, Carlos Correa. I'd like Carlos to see him target Carlos, one, right. Carlos Correa. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I, I think with him, it, I think it's tricky going into next season because you don't know what you have. Um. You're going to see guys like Magical come up and see what they can do for your team, what their chemistry is. Because don't forget, you still have. I think you do have another year of uh, of Hayward, in which will be his last season. Right. But you also have Bodie, who's going to be around. Ian Happ, I have no idea what they're going to do with him. And then you got your leader of the team right now, which is Wilson Contreras. So I think more than anything, if they're going to look at free agents, you might get some mid-level pitchers. Uh, you might see a couple of uh, outfielders, but 
you know, it, it just really depends on who is available and who doesn't sign back with their current team. Do you have trust in Jed Hoyer? I, I mean, I, I have just as much trust in Jed Hoyer as I did with Theo. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, who, I, right. where do you think he learned everything he knows? All right. You know, I, I think part of the issue that's going on right now is that Cubs fans want to blame the Ricketts family. They want to blame Jed Hoyer. And don't forget, Theo dodged, uh, ran out of town a year before his contract <laughs> was sure up did. when the shit was about to hit the fan. He left you know Jed I mean? Hoyer so, with the bag. Yeah, he, yeah, he absolutely left Jed Hoyer holding the bag. And Jed Hoyer was like, look, man, I, thank you for letting me be the GM of the Chicago Cubs, one of the marquee franchises of Major League Baseball. But what the fuck, man? Like, what? <laughs> this, hey, this, th- why does this bag that you left me holding look like all of the fucking uh, uh, piles of shit that I just picked up from the dog park? Like, what is this? Yeah. And, and hey, Hoyer had to deal with it. And that's just what it is. You know, um, it, it's his job. I, I trust him to do what is necessary to make this team better. I think things that uh, Cubs fans easily forget is that these players they traded away were not signed going into next season. Right. They were offered contracts yep. that they did not sign. And that's why they're not here going into next season. Whether the negotiations went sour, whether they felt like they were worth more than they were being offered, whatever the case may be, they are not here. And they didn't sign here. They were all free agents. So when you have a free agent and you recognize the fact that the team isn't going anywhere, do you hold on to them for another half a season just to appease the fans so you can get more butts and seats? Because people are still going whether whether the, the, the team on the field is really, really good or, you know, in the middle of the pack like they are now. Because they're not, they're not exactly bottom feeders. They're just kind of floating into space. And I think what happened is, is that we got used to the success of the previous, you know, core. And we just want more and more and more. Well, guess what? The Cubs went on, what, an 11-game losing streak with those core players? Yep, they And did. they went on an 11-game losing streak with the current team. Right. And now they're, they went on, what, a 7 or 8-game win, winning streak. So baseball is streaky in general. I just, I'd like to see them maybe possibly bring back one of these guys that they did trade away. Um, maybe KB would be great. I don't know if they can. Um, we talked about this early in the year, the Yankees model, what they did with the role as Chapman. But, you know, either Rizzo or KB... I'd love to see Javi back, but again, I think he's very flawed, and I think um, I think I would love to see Correa over Javi. So those are two guys that I would probably trade uh, or, or target in the uh, in the offseason is, is KB and Correa. Yeah, the thing is that if you bring back a, bring in a shortstop, that's uh, is Ed Howard ready yet, or is he still a couple of years away where you can sign these guys for one, two, three years? So they drafted Ed Howard at, at 19 years of age. So I don't think he's yet ready yet. But you got to remember, it's not like the, the Cubs are really set at outfield either. You do have Hayward, who's going to be gone after next season. If you had Correa and KB, Correa can slide over and play third for you. KB is going to play your outfield, and then you have a slot for Ed Howard. You also have Magical, and you also have Bodie, who can play uh, pretty much anywhere on the field. So if you need an outfielder in a pinch, you can throw Bodie out there and know that he's at least going to be uh, consistent with his play. There you go. Oh, there you go. All right, Z, what's going on with the Soul Sight? White Sox, White Sox, go, go, White Sox. Let's go, 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 White Sox. We're with you all. 
the White Sox. They've been stung hard by the injury bug, brother. I mean, it's been disgusting. Uh-huh. Uh, Tim Anderson went on DL because of his legs. He's supposed to be back uh, today, Tuesday. You know, uh, yeah, the problem is that when Tim Anderson's out of the lineup, they don't go. He's your uh, what's that guy in the Cubs? The uh, you go, we go, Dexter Fowler. There you go, Dexter Fowler. Yeah, kind of very very similar. The uh, it's disparaging disparaging the uh, amount of wins with him and without him. It's just it's like a twenty game difference of wins with, with and without him. So it's, we need him back on the field. He'll be back today versus the Angels. You got Eloy who got struck by a foul ball in the dugout in the knee during the game. Go ahead. That's just pure luck. If you didn't have bad luck, you wouldn't have no luck at all. Yeah, he's he's been mushed. I mean, he's been playing okay. <laughs> yeah. His bat has been kind of streaky. It's kind of cold right now. He's been swinging for the fences. Um, Angle. Yes, we still have Angle on the team. He's on a rehab assignment. Oh, okay. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, he's on a rehab assignment. Should be back within the next couple weeks. Lynn actually, actually pitched on Sunday. Uh, he gets uh, no decision because the White Sox uh, end up winning 2-1 to one in the bottom of the ninth. A win's a win, bro. A win is a win. Rodon pitched very well on Friday. And Giolito, uh, again, still dealing with the hamstring. So he'll be back pretty soon. There's a lot of injuries. We just got Billy Hamilton back. I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. just getting hurt. We've had the the entire roster, except for Angle, so I can't say the entire roster. We had just about everybody healthy for two days all year. <laughs> so the fact that they're 10, 11, 12 games, whatever it is right now, ahead of everybody else with a roster that's been rotating almost on a daily basis that you don't know who's going to be put out there is it, pretty impressive. And that's that's you tip your hat to La Russa for doing all his hard work now. You know, and, that, and that's what I was just about to say. I mean, that's TLR all the way through. And it's not just him, but it's also his coaching staff. You know, one of the things that I, I, I've been saying all season is that one of the most important things about being a good manager, a guy that's been managing for, what, 40-plus years, is the fact that you know some of the best baseball coaches in the game. So you know who to bring with you. You know uh, you have a lot of connections. You have a lot of scouting reports that a lot of other younger managers might not have access to. Um, you know, we, we look at, you know, Cubs with David Ross. You know, he's kind of out there on his own. And, and he's he hasn't even been near the team in like a while now because he had the, the positive COVID test. So right. the more time that he spends away from the team is detrimental. Uh, and when you look at a flip side, TLR has so much experience with all these different coaches and players in the league that he does have an advantage when it comes to that. And he's able to recognize what players will be able to fill in in the situation that your star player is not available. Yeah, he's really good at that. And he does get a little cute sometimes. I think uh, on Saturday's game, he started subbing left and right, and it didn't work out. And again, that's what's going to happen. You're not going to win every single time. You're not going to play the lottery and win every single time. So he made some adjustments. They didn't pan out. At the end of the day, it's up to the player to produce. He can only put you in the best position to succeed. It's you still got to swing the bat and get a hit. I mean, I think sometimes what happens is, especially with him, is that he just gets bored. He's like 162 games again. All right, guys, let's shake it up, and you know, he just throws some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Well, my main concern right now, besides everyone getting healthy, is the defense. For the past two weeks, it's been kind of suspect where they've been throwing the ball around. Um, runs are beginning uh, put on the board because 
they're throwing a second and it goes into the into the outfield and then they try to get you know overcompensate and then the ball gets past the catcher in the uh, uh, a pass ball and then there's a easy runs are just being produced by the other team or give it away to the other team because of the, the lack of days ago defensive play and, and um, I just don't feel like they have the fire yet to win um, and I think they're just lax days over that 10 game lead look as a as a youth softball coach i'm very well aware of overthrows and not knowing exactly where the ball <laughs> needs to go um this is a very familiar concept to me and the shame of it all is that when i turn on a white Sox game when i see this i'm like i already saw this like an hour ago what mm-hmm. are y'all doing yeah y'all professionals exactly so someone definitely needs to light a fire under their ass and i mean i don't know if tony la Russa has enough breath in him to yell loud enough that that it'll wake him up but I will say this, once they finally get all their players back, um, it's almost, the problem is, is that when you're 10 games above and you've been 10 games above for so long, you start to get complacent. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they need to be able to pull, pull out of that funk and not, and stop going through the motions because they came off to a hot start. Okay. You had the Yerminator, you had all these great stories. And now you're at a point where you really got to start ramping them up because it's September, folks, and the playoffs are coming up real soon. And you you cannot just sit there and rely on your record when it comes to the playoffs. They got 20 games left right now. They're tied for second place in the AL. They should be focusing on getting that second place slot. The reason for that is that you'll have home field advantage against the Astros. The Astros are a great team. And they kicked our ass. The series here and the series over there. So if there's one thing that you can control is having that home field advantage where you're about 18 games over 500 at home, you want that advantage. I mean, you saw it today against Boston. I mean, today, I mean, uh, this weekend against Boston, they went two out of three. They were all one run games, which is a good thing to do and a bad thing. Like, I'm glad they're winning these one one run games because then you're not you know sweating that oh we're gonna lose these games but at the same time we need to be putting crooked numbers on the board i i you know what and, and i'll actually disagree with you there that you need to be putting crooked numbers on the board because i think actually right now considering the fact that they have been complacent these little one run games are very beneficial to your team because when you get to the playoffs there ain't no crooked numbers it's all one run games it's all scratching off a run it's all trying to do whatever i can to get someone across the plate. So now what you're essentially doing is you're practicing for that because you can put crooked numbers on the board all you want. Sure, that's fun. I love home run derbies as much as the next guy, but you still need to remember what you have to do when you're put in a situation where it's the seventh inning, it's the eighth inning, and you're down by a run, and it's a 2-1 game, or if it's a 3-4 game, or whatever it is. You can't sit there and rely on on someone to come through and just smack one uh, into the stands. How do I do whatever I can to scratch a run across the plate? What do I have to do to get that ball in the hands of the bullpen, which you put a lot of stock into, and let them close out this game for us? By the time you get towards the end of the game, that should be your focus is closing out the game, not how do I score because we're about to lose. Yeah, but that that end of the bullpen has not been consistent either. It looks like um, we traded pitchers, but they stayed in the same body. They stayed... The well, bo- I mean, they Kimbrough, gotta figure that shit out too. Kimbrough's body stayed over in in, in Wrigley, and then uh, the kid stayed here. So, like that, it looks just like that. Um, Kimbrough has not been lights out, 
and granted, he's not in the role that he's he should be in. He should be closing at this point because it just depends on the matchup. For me, it's just a matchup thing. It shouldn't be like, oh, he's closing versus no. It's a matchup thing, and Tony's good at using matchups and numbers. Yesterday uh, was on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Kimber was out there. Today he was out there again, and he walked two two people on uh, that knuckle curve. He just kept throwing the knuckle curve over and over and over, and walked two players. So the back of the bullpen you know, isn't that uh, secure yet. It's not, but you know that's the trick of it is when you take a guy who's probably you know one of the best closers of all time, and you put him in a secondary role to a different guy. He's got to change his mindset because don't forget, he was off his game for a couple of years. It was only oh, recently yeah. that he oh, really yeah. came back to form where, you know, for a while, hitters were not scared of Craig Kimbrell. It was only this season when when he went on a tear that all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh shit, I got to face him. Mm-hmm. And that hadn't been the way it hadn't been the case in a while. I mean, don't forget, the Cubs got him as a free agent. He was sitting on his couch yeah. the same way that the Braves got Keiko. Yep. Okay. He was just sitting at home. So it wasn't like, you know, he was he was this big trade. They signed him off of off of uh weight or off of uh off of his sofa. Mm-hmm. So he finally came back to form. You can, you know, thank whoever you want for that. And guess what? Now he's your problem. And he's gotta figure it out. So you gotta they gotta decide is this guy gonna be the closer or you know, are we gonna let him sit there and stay in his role where he's clearly not comfortable. Well I'm the two instances I'm talking about, he was closing the game. So he's just not comfortable flip-flopping, as, as is what I think it is. Right. All right. So we uh, the White Sox got the Angels this week and then the Rangers right after. Both who are well below five. Uh, the Angels are 500 team. Rangers are 30 other. It's time to put these teams away and put a, a winning streak. These two should be you sweeps. The Angels are such a weird team because they got Mike Trout, one of the best players in the game, that I want to say that they've already been discussing shutting down for the season. And then you got Shohei Otani, who's clearly going to be the MVP of the AL. There's no way that he's not. He's hitting everything in sight. He's pitching like a monster. And it's a shame that he is on an AL team, in my opinion. He's a he's an all-the-way uh, NL player, but that's neither here nor there. Um you have to watch out for him because he can he can bite you. But the problem is, is that if he's the only good player in a shit team, it doesn't really matter. It's really important that they put away these teams and not just go through the motions in these games. Um, you know, I think when you look at them defensively, Boo Bob has actually done a really good job in the outfield. Um, the way that he's been able to kind of judge the way that he's seeing the ball, the way that he's recognizing you know, I, I think the other day he had a play where he knew he wasn't going to get it. He let the ball carry him off the ball, and he was able to get that in. Right. But one thing that I'm concerned about, and we talked about uh, pitchers coming from other teams before, is what are the what are the White Sox going to do with a guy like Dallas Keuchel? I mean, does he even make the playoff roster at this point? Uh, <clears throat> let's see. So, no, he doesn't make the playoff roster at this point, if I'm in charge. Either way, it's a three-game series for the first <laughs> for the first. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the first series is three game series, so you always add an, uh, a, a bat rather than a, than a pitcher. So he doesn't make it. You put Lopez instead of his, instead of him. Either way, it's gonna be a bullpen, anyways. Now, now think about that sentence and that statement and that sentiment. And do you think? Did you ever think at the beginning of the season no. that's something that you would say? No, no, not at all. You would. I was thinking Kygo was gonna dominate, probably compete for the Cy Young. Lopez would have been released. There's a tons of. Tons of 
uh, uh, Twilight Zone yeah. about that whole comment. Yeah, Keiko there's, should not there's be two out there. Players, there's two players, both pitchers, both pitchers who have been with the White Sox for a long time. And I don't know if it's because of the teammates, the way that they've been playing around them, um, seeing the other younger guys step it up. But the two guys that I'm talking about are um, uh, Rodon and Lopez. These yep. are two guys that you never thought that you'd be able to count on on a consistent basis for the Chicago White Sox. We definitely thought that Keiko was going to be the guy, that Giolito was going to be the guy. Didn't really know what to expect from Lance Lynn in the long run, but he's happy here and he was doing his thing until he got injured. So, I mean, I think it's, it's a great surprise for White Sox fans to see Lopez and Rodon doing well because Keiko just isn't getting it done. Now, let me let me ask you about another young pitching, yeah. uh, p- pitcher for the White Sox, and that's Dylan Cease. Are you concerned with him? Because he, no. he did uh, give up some runs. In the no, he, yeah, he gave up, it uh, looks like he gave up six runs the other day. Um, no, he his release point and his the way he was finishing was not uh, what his usual release points and the way. So it was all mechanics, and that's why he, was, he wasn't pitching. He was wild. When he was throwing 100, it was way above people's head. When he was you know trying to put it to 97, it was in the dirt. He was all over the place, and that's because of his mechanics. They were just completely off, and that happens to pitchers. Yeah. No, I mean, any any throwing motion can be thrown off. I mean, all you got to do is just move a different way or try to put yourself back. I mean, realistically, we're talking about muscle memory. Right. Pitchers, you know, quarterbacks, hell, even dark players, bowlers. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's muscle memory, remembering how your body should react every time you try to do and it. repeating the same and, motion I mean, over and over, right? It's hard. I think – I think as a starter, he's someone that they're definitely going to have to rely on going into the playoffs. Um, I think their bullpen has looked uh, really good when you look at um, uh, the Crotch Rocket, when you look at Kopech. Tapera. Those guys, I, Tapera, the, you're, the middle of your of your uh, bullpen, is a strong I feel part. really good about. The back end, I'm not so sure about, but right. I think that when it comes down to crunch time, Hendricks and Kimball will be able to get it done. Yeah. And Tapera and Kopech and um and the other guys that are there will be able to do it. But I think we just really have to look at some of these guys. The, the problem is is that the White Sox have not been healthy all season. They I mean, how many how many games have they even played as a full with their full starting unit? And which will never happen again this season because um Madrigal is not even on the team anymore. No, he's so you not. don't even have all the guys you started the, the the season with. Nope. But so there's there's a, a few guys that are that are either coming off or just came off the IL. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, who do you think out of those guys is going to make the biggest impact down the stretch? Now I got three pitchers for you and one position player. All right. Um, my pitchers are Lance Lynn, mm-hmm. Lucas Giolito. Okay. Carlos Rodon, All right. and your position player is going to be Tim Anderson. All right. So out of those pitchers, out of those pitchers, well, I, out of out of all, all of four. Them. Oh, that's tough. Out of the four, all of those four total, uh, who do you think is going to give me that is, have the biggest impact? That is so tough because uh, the White Sox go as Tim Anderson goes. He's the biggest hype man, um, and when he gets a he gets a hit or two. When he gets one hit, the percentage of them winning is is about eighty percent. When he gets two two hits or more. It's 95%, so it's ridiculous. Lance Lynn, he is a dog. He's up there. He's about. To, he's in contention for the Cy Young. He's not going to win it, but he was in contention before he got hurt. Uh, Giolito, right. again, 
Uh, he's got the hamstring problem that he had last year. Hopefully, it's just a tweak and not the, the problem that he had. And then Rodon, your issue with Rodon is the, the tired arm. He's been literally controlling the entire uh, – he's been – had the, the whole team on his back pretty much all season with his strikeouts right. and, and his wins. And he's had a couple clunkers, and that's because his arm is tired. So if I had to pick one, I got to go with my guy Tim Anderson because we go as he goes. You know, and, and that's where I would go too, just because you look at the spark that he brings to the team, not only because he's an everyday player, but just like you said, you go, we go. That's how this team operates. I mean, um, he is the undisputed leader of the team, in my yeah. opinion, aside from um, Abreu. I mean, there's there's no other more vocal position player uh, that's out there doing this thing every single uh, every single game. And the only reason I might say that Abreu uh, has more of a leadership. I mean, I, I, as far as like being that like big brother, you could give it to Abreu. But as far as leading by example, you're definitely looking at Tim Anderson. The one advantage that Abreu does have as a leader is the fact that he is a Latino player, mm-hmm. and most of your most of your team is Latino. Just right. point blank, that's what it is. You know, and and you you have done the White Sox have done a very good job of putting players out there and putting filling every position uh on the field with a either a star or a potential star player there's not really a spot on this roster that i look at right now where i'm like there's your big weakness right there mm-hmm. there's your big weakness in your lineup when you're hitting you know what i mean because all of these guys either because of what we've seen them do in a White Sox uniform or the potential that we've seen on other teams before they made their way over to the White Sox. There's not really a weakness on this team. No, I think when we not. look at what White Sox fans are concerned about is consistency and not becoming complacent because you're up by so much. And and this is where Tony has done his magic, where he's put in you know Brian Goodwin in the outfield. And this is he's a cast-off. And then you have uh, Billy Hamilton, a guy who's just considered legs. You know, you're a pinch runner. That's all you are. And Tim Anderson takes these two guys and says, hey, you're more than what people think you are. You guys can't hit. Billy Hamilton was a switch hitter. Now he just bats on, on the left side, I believe. He doesn't do on the right side yeah. anymore. So, and then you you take Goodwin, same thing. Goodwin, you got some swag. You can hit the ball. And what did Goodwin do? He hit a home run, and he threw his bat 300 feet in the air, and, and, he, and he had a walk-off. He's building these guys that have confidence. That's going to be huge in the playoff series when these guys may be just on the bench because everyone else is healthy. So now you got bench players who got swag and, and, and confidence to be like, I don't care if I'm coming off the bench. I'm going to knock one out of the park now. You know, I, I think for a team like the Chicago White Sox, who for all intents and purposes is a secondary team yeah. when you look at this landscape of the Chicago sports scene, yeah. it's really important for this team not only to be good, because you can be good and be boring, and, and yeah. that's all well and good if look, you know, look at Tampa. No one shows up to Tampa games. Yankees. You know, that's the Yankees. They're good and they're boring. You know what I mean? Like, But, um, you know, for the White Sox to have swagger, to have confidence, to, to have the ability to have fan appeal where you feel like as a Sox fan, those are my guys. Those are the guys that stand up for Chicago, stand mm-hmm. up for that uniform, stand up for that White Sox logo. It's really important for those guys to embrace it and embrace the, the, the team and the fans 
in order to really get over. I mean, it, you can think of it in wrestling terms. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? They're a little bit of a heel right. where other teams are like, man, fuck those guys. Like, you know what? This stupid bat flip, like, you know, Lance Lynn over here throwing his belts and all that. Like, man, I hate when people, hey, White Sox fans, Southsiders, they love that shit. So go with it. And yeah, we do. And, and to, to, to put the cherry on your point right there. When the Cubs won the World Series, when they were good in 15, then they, they were great in 16, they won that World Series. As a teacher, I would see more and more Cubs stuff, which is fine. Right, right, right. right. You know, they're popular, Javi with the tag, you got Chris Bryant with the eyes. I get it. They're good-looking guys. They do well Ooh, on the baby. field. Yes, they are. And they do well on the field, and they were very popular. <laughs> they were the team to beat. They were the team to beat after 16. They were there 17 and 18. They were great. So that's going to happen. Your fandom's going to be built up because you're like, oh, they're the winning team in Chicago. That's starting to turn to the other side because I'm starting to see a lot more kids wearing White Sox stuff, which I never saw as a teacher. It was always Cubs. And they're like, oh, why are you wearing White Sox? I'm like, hey, I'm a true to my uh, to my team. You, you want to choose the Cubs? That's fine. That's you. That's fine. I'm seeing the tide turn a little bit, man. Just saying. And, and, you know, and that's and that's common for any young fandom. I mean, you know how many kids that I saw that became LeBron fans that are now in their early 20s? Right. You got these guys that are, are teenagers now that became fans of Steph Curry and the Warriors when they yeah, were like exactly. eight, nine yep. years old. Yep. You know, you look at worldwide how many fans uh, uh, who, or people that weren't even fans of, uh, of sports in general. All of a sudden, I'm the biggest Michael Jordan fan in the world, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? So this is a natural progression. I mean, even Sylvie from ESPN talks about his one son is a Cubs fan, his other son, his other son is a is a White Sox fan, and whether it's just to fuck with them or not. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it it again. I I think that when it comes to the baseball landscape in Chicago, the Cubs are always going to be popular. Yes. Whether it's because of the lore, the stadium, the area, you know the the whole Billy Goat thing and, and all this stuff. But I think for the city and, and for the the landscape of Chicago baseball, it's actually more important when the White Sox are good because it gives validity to a team that's actually playing good and not just a team that's popular. Agreed. And um, I'll put that in there. I'll cut that out and I'll keep that as a little thing there. I agree with you. All right. So let's take a pause. <laughs> let's take a pause for the cause Whoa. and hear a word from our sponsors. I think I'll perplex him with my slow ball. One, two, three, strike, out. We all know that 2020 was no joke. And with an ever-changing world climate, many people are looking for a new opportunity. Guys, are you looking for a career that rewards effort and makes you feel valued as a team member? Let me tell you a little about our friends at ACSI. ACSI is a certified RCN business agent. They provide the same RCN services with a personalized touch. Their sales and technician teams work hand-in-hand, ensuring your experience will be smooth and pleasant. Gone are the days of being transferred from one person to the next. At ACSI, they handle everything from start to finish. It's never been so easy to get internet service. ACSI is a growing Chicagoland company that encourages personal growth and rewards perseverance. As they expand, they're looking for passionate, responsible, and honest professionals to join their team. A career with ACSI means you will be part of a hardworking, flexible, and dynamic team that is a leader in the installation of cable and internet services in the Chicagoland area. Best of all, ACSI was awarded Hacia's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. 
Are you ready to grow with a local Chicago company on the rise? Check out ACSI.tech and click on careers to get started. That's ACSI.tech and click on careers. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time again, brother. You know what oh, time boy. it is. Yes, sir. It's uh-huh. time for Stirring the Pot. All right, brother. Let's uh, put a cap on this summer series of food and situations and whatever else we covered. Let's just get right <laughs> to it, man. Are you a milkshake guy or a slushy guy? No caveats. Um, no caveats. One or the other. One or the other. Okay. So I'm going to pick the one <laughs> that is uh, actually good and delicious. And that's going to be a milkshake all day long. You could do so much more with a milkshake than some frozen ice and some little syrupy sugar shit on top. I'm going milkshake all day. So you're saying what you're saying is that your milkshake brings all the boys to the town. All of them. And <laughs> it's to the art. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? <laughs> we're we're going to end this summer session with a, with an agreement. I do not like slushies. Ooh. I am not a slushy guy. Give me a milkshake. I've actually had boozy milkshakes. You know, they put liquor in some of these mo- yeah. milkshakes. And, uh, and rum and shit. Yeah, not my favorite thing to do. But if, if, it's, if it's hot out there, I want a milkshake. I want a really good one. Now, do you like your milkshake nice and thick? <laughs> I mean, look. Uh, uh, hey. <laughs> Thick, thick, thick is always better. Thick and juicy. Um, shout out, shout out to that uh, chocolate cake shake at Portillo's. Oh yeah. Um, and shout out to, shout out to Oberweiss, man. They got some. I used to work at Oberweiss about like uh, twenty five years ago, back when they used to have one in Lincoln Park. Um, and we get all of the Paul kids come in, and yeah, I mean fresh, and literally all it was was uh, fresh milk, fresh ice cream. That's it. That's all you need for a good milkshake. You know, yeah. even. The funny thing is, is that even the chocolate milkshakes were vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup because you start that base and you add it. It's uh, not but that yeah, hard. I mean, look, milkshakes all day. You can do so much more with a milkshake and they're they're just they're the best, man. I, I don't know who the hell is excited about eating like ice and syrup. That's nasty, bro. <laughs> you know, it's like the hell's wrong with you. You, you know, are right? Anyway, I know. I know. Hey, look, hey. Today. I will end the summer Today. undefeated as always. I mean, that's you are not undefeated yeah. uh, every single time. Hey, when you're a winner, you're you're. It's called. You know what this is called, sir? This is called sustained success. When you win all the time, that's me. Thank you very much. But let me ask you a question, sir. Yes, sir. Before we go, what you looking at? What have you been watching that isn't sports? I have been on the rabbit hole of the 9-11 documentaries because it is a 20-year anniversary. Um, there was one on Hulu and there was one on Netflix. So I've got two out of the way. And I think there's a movie. Um, I can't remember who the actor is, but they just mentioned it. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't It might have been Steve Buscemi or somebody else. There's another movie coming okay. out for 9-11. I believe it's on uh, Netflix, and I'll have that uh, queued up for tomorrow. Uh what about you, man? What have you been watching? So, yeah, um, you know, everyone knows that we record on Sundays. So today is actually the 12th. Um, and we were supposed to be at that game yesterday at yep. the White Sox game for 9-11, 20th anniversary of 
Uh, I did watch um, the Apple TV documentary talking about the events that led up to 9-11. Oh. I'm working my way through the Netflix documentary when we talked about uh, uh, the end of the Cold War and everything going on back and forth right. between the Taliban and um, and Russia and Russia. Afghanistan and mm-hmm. how everything developed um, there. And uh, I mean, look, you know... Uh, we we personally you and i have never talked about 9-11 and the way it made us feel i will say that um you know there's a lot of events in our lives that that took place for example um the columbine shooting happened on yeah. april 20th 1999 the year that we were seniors in high school we were in school at the time when it happened um and that was one of those really defining significant moments where we yeah. can kind of trace back to the very beginning of some of these school shootings that's been going on for the past 20 plus years now um and 9-11 is definitely one of those one of those things that was just a big moment for our generation one of the very earliest moments that you think back to where i was i know exactly what happened um and one of the most major news stories of our lifetime i mean you know united states soil was under attack right and i remember my big fear after 9 11 was that you know one of the things that we heard a lot was once they declared war in afghanistan um that they we thought a lot of us thought we were getting ready to get drafted you know i mean they thought you know that 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 was going to be the case and i had quite a few friends that had already went to the military because i was in rotc and um yeah, man, it was, it was scary times at that time. And just just it was just such a devastating moment for this country. It really changed um, the way that we think, the way that we act. And um, I yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's still hard to kind of it's really still hard watching some of these documentaries to just understand that this is something that actually happened. I mean, it's still shocking to this day. Yeah, I watched all you know, those documentaries, and they, you know, they they found all this footage, and it does seem like it's just a movie and it's make believe, but this actually happened. Um, yeah, we we know of people who lost people. Um, yeah, especially with us being associated with the with the nights and the uh, fire, the blaze. Yeah, yes. Um, this is something that uh, you know holds a, a high regard in our heart because. They're, they are people and they are the first ones to run into danger to help us out and when you lose 343 firefighters um, you know there's there's brothers there's their their fathers their uncles um, their sons um, to lose yeah. that many firefighters in, in one event it, it, it's so tragic and and as we look I mean, at it the next day on, on September 12th where the country put their boots up, strapped them up super tight, and said, "Hey, we're heading over to go help." Every city volunteered their, you know, their EMS, their firefighters, their police officers. They all volunteered and drove and and, and went out there because you couldn't fly; you had to drive out there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this takes a big significance for 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 myself, and I know it does for you too. Yeah, I mean. You know, I, I'm literally wearing right now my my Chicago Bears salute to service hoodie. I love yeah. it. I mean, it, uh, it's you know, it, we just came out of a 20 year war where all the where all the troops were brought home, and and uh, and I'm fearful that we're kind of back where we started. I mean, because as soon yeah. as they pulled out, Taliban took over, and and the thing is, it's not fair to blame Afghanistan for everything because Al Qaeda. Uh, is is not all Afghanistan and Taliban is not Afghanistan. It's just the group of extremists and 
unfortunately they're um they're just not people that that uh that agree with our beliefs and we don't agree with theirs and and because of that there's always going to be war um i'd like to talk about something else that i watched okay because i've been stuck in the house for a couple days now on hbo i i think it's hbo or uh, netflix it doesn't matter um i literally saturday uh back to back either saturday or friday i watched in succession all three hangover movies um they're just as funny as when it came out in 2009 that's how long the, the that's how long it's been since the first one came out um so yeah i mean if you haven't watched all three or if you haven't watched the third one they're all available now um and the other show that i've been watching <laughs> it's called mr corman on apple tv how this far are you on that one how grade. far how far are you on that? I'm, I'm caught up i'm caught up okay i think i got one or two episodes to watch i think the last one i got to were uh was it the panic attack or the one yeah. after that the one after the panic attack that's as far as i got i was just like this is so weird it is so weird you know what? It's weird. This is a Joseph Gordon, uh, a Joseph Gordon Levitt uh, project, um, and he is the director. I want to say he's mm-hmm. probably the writer of the show as well. Yeah. You know, here here's the thing. I am a visual artist. Um, I am I am a conceptual artist as far as like when I think about the way that I do graphic design and the way that my mind puts things into places. So I understand what you're doing there. There's a few aspects of it where it's kind of you're like what the hell's happening um but i think realistically any good show any good show leaves you with a little bit of that what the hell just happened how did we get here you know instead of being uh, spoon-fed bullshit like friends or <laughs> how i met your mother or big bang theory here here little boy Here's a, you know, here here's some bland, you know, basic sugar. It's sweet. You can digest it. Nah, give me that Rocky Road. Give me that Rocky Road. There's a bunch of shit mixed in there. I don't know what your goal was, but we'll see when I get through it. And at the end, I'll probably like it. So that's that's me personally. You know what I mean? Like, do you, if you get what I'm saying with that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope I didn't lose anyone yet. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I kind of dig the kind of, I, I like the weird shit sometimes. It's a fun show. It's interesting. Um, your favorite rapper of all time, Logic, is in it. Yeah, he, is. Uh, he is an actor in the show, so it, it's it's an interesting uh, show. Um, I want to say Hente Fight is coming back too on Netflix. That should be coming back. That too is as well. coming back. Uh, and what's the other one that's coming back um, with the kids? There's a lot of shit coming back, man. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much all the good shows are coming back in the fall, so we'll have plenty to talk about. And I know, Absolutely. I know he's excited for uh, Grey's Anatomy coming back too as well. Grey's Anatomy going into its 157th season. Meredith Grey is now Meredith White because all of her hair fell out and her skin is pasty white and that's actually her skeleton because she's dead. Um, yeah, just like all the other cast members. How how I, w- I, I want to know how much like old cast members are paying being paid residuals. I mean, it's insane. They've been through like eight casts by now, and somehow that one lady's still there, and everyone else Jeez. died. I don't know how many. I, think I used to work in a hospital. I don't remember that many people dying at once. <laughs> I think there's like three, three or four characters still alive from, from episode God. one. God, I mean, how many? How, how many? There's disasters. only so much anatomy you can take. Yeah, yeah. She's been through like every catastrophe ever. Seriously. All right, man. All right, let's 
Let's get out let's, of here, let's man. Let's stop talking about Grey's Anatomy yet. Like, I don't, I don't know why we, why we do that. Because I like to poke at the bear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you to our sponsors, 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Grit Clothing Company. Don't forget to go to gritclothingco.com and get your official TCSF podcast t-shirt. Search for keyword True Chicago and use our promo code TRUEFAN15 to check out for 15% off of your entire order. Don't forget to check out the virtual job fair September 15th. Go to acsi.tech and check out their career section to start an exciting new career in the communications industry. acsi.tech, check out the uh, virtual career fair September 15th. Shout out to Mike Logic and Ideal. The new episodes of the AllNet podcast are available every other Monday. NBA season is coming up pretty soon, so don't forget to check out past episodes for your uh, best analysis of the NBA previous uh, former playoffs and all that good shit. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to check out the Shine Native Radio podcast, now available on all major platforms. Mike Logic, Ideal, throw him seeing words, talk about sports movies and all types of ill shit go and check them out right now and check out my friend tease uh check out that some of this and some of that podcast uh they're just starting out so give them a boost they talk about all types of uh, topics or uh not sports relationship movies music all that good shit so go check them out shout out to ronesh and shout out to panic for the beats we played on today's show check out panic on the for all your mer- moment merch and gear and check us out on social media. You can find us at True Shy Fans on Twitter. That's at True CHI Fans on Twitter and on TikTok. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and reach out to us on our email. We want to hear from you guys. Reach us at True Chicago Sports Fans at gmail.com. Real quick, shout out to Mikey O and the rest of the crew there, the CPD Knights and all that, all the events that we did with them over the past couple of weeks and the Mm -hmm. summer. It was a blast going out there and announcing the game last week. Um, And we always have a lot of fun with them and we appreciate them for involving us with the events and all the charity that we've been doing with them. This has been a really, really cool partnership that we've had with them. Yeah, sure is. I mean, it was fun to uh, make fun of some comedians and uh, give it back to them since they... uh like to make fun of us when we go to the show. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun announcing that game uh, last week, uh, making fun of all the uh, comedians and how terrible they are at softball. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> so we hope to, uh, we hope that we'll let you know when our next event will be. And uh, and yeah, man. All right, y'all, for Big Z, this is Ewok. We'll see you next week for episode 63. Until then, be good to each other for the love of sports. For the love of sports. Did you just until then, <laughs> until then, be good to each other. For the love of sports. You just I'm Ron Burgundy. Burgundy. <laughs> I totally did. I totally Burgundy that shit. A few moments later. You have a lot of incest. That's real. Shut your mouth. Lover boy. Nature versus nurture, Lodge. Nature always wins. I think he's on steroids. <laughs> Hasta luego, amigos. Show's over, show's over, show's over.